grieve the rejection and feel those feelings because they're totally valid and real, but also recognize that this is not the end and that, you know, I had to apply twice to get in. I know people that applied three times. And so if this is something that you really want for your life and for your career, then just know that you can make it happen. It just might take a little bit longer than you thought. Hi everyone, it's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock with Aaliyah Capone. Hi, Aaliyah. Hi. Thank you so much for being on Pat Career Chats today. We've talked for a while about this conversation regarding the gap year for medical school and then getting matched up for residency. So will you kick off and tell our listeners a little bit about your story for where you are today? Yeah. So like you said, my name's Aaliyah. I am from Cary, North Carolina. I went to UNC for undergrad and graduated in 2016 with a biology degree and minors in chemistry and Spanish. And then I knew that I wanted to not go straight into medical school. So I took one gap year doing clinical research at UNC and staying in the Chapel Hill area. And I took the MCAT and I applied to med school and unfortunately didn't get in the first time. And I think that that largely had to do with my MCAT score. And so even before I didn't get in, I had interviewed at a couple places and was waiting to hear back in the spring, but I had already started restudying for the MCAT because I just had a feeling that if things didn't work out and I found out in April, I didn't want to then start studying for the MCAT because I wanted to take it early enough. And so there's a lot to do when you're applying to med school that deals with timing because it's rolling admissions and, and so you want to be on the early end of things. So anyways, I guess I had some foresight there because I didn't get in, which was fine. It was sad, but you know, kind of just kept pushing through, studied for the MCAT, took it again, did so much better, was so happy with my score, and had already, even before getting my score back, had started writing my personal statement and preparing my med school application. And then I believe I applied to 20 places and kind of a wide range of some in-states and out-of-states and publics and private, mainly on the East Coast, just because that's regionally where I wanted to be. And then I interviewed, I think, at six places and got into three of those. And one of them was UNC and just couldn't beat going back for the education at UNC School of Medicine plus the in-state tuition. It was just kind of a no-brainer. And I forgot to mention that for my second gap year, since I had to kind of plan when I didn't get into med school what I would do, instead of staying in the research realm, I have always been really invested in service and community work. And so I applied to an AmeriCorps program called National Health Corps and spent a year up in Philadelphia working in the health the health department and helping with access to, to healthcare for underserved populations. And so that was really awesome. Was super glad to get that experience. And I honestly think for anyone applying to med school or who's pre-med, who's thinking about it, 
I really do think taking time between undergrad and med school is so crucial. And I kind of noticed it too when I started med school. I was like, you meet your classmates and you can definitely tell who went straight through and who didn't. And it's not saying that one is better than the other, but I do think that you gain some life perspective. And I think in terms of choosing a specialty, I think I had a lot more just insight into my own personal growth and desires, like, and what I wanted my life to look like. Whereas I think when you're a student for 20 years, and then straight, it's it's a little bit hard to get out of the mindset of being a student and thinking about what you really want out of life after being a student. And so I would just personally stand by because I took gap time, but I would highly recommend taking a little bit of time to work and know what it's like to like have a paycheck and not be a student. But yeah, so then I kind of fast forward am graduating from UNC in about like three weeks, which is crazy. And I'm going into family medicine because I kind of like everything and I love little babies, but I also love grandparents and everyone in between. And, and I really love establishing connections with my patients and having that continuity. And so I'm really excited to launch into this next phase of my career. And I will be training at the University of Maryland in Baltimore. And I'm super excited about it. Thank you for that overview, Aliyah. Congratulations. I know the residency matching process is very challenging and wrought with a lot of anticipation. So you have done so well. And I want to dive into a couple things that you mentioned in this whole process of getting to where you are now. Because many of our listeners, they are undergraduates majoring in a science like you did, thinking, oh, I've got to rush in. I've got to get to med school as fast as I can. I already know what I want to specialize in. Let's talk a little bit about that notion of taking time off. So you took off two years. So you had a year where you did research and a year where you did the service, which we will link up to AmeriCorps. What a great program giving back to those less fortunate. Why do you think that benefited you? Talk a little more in depth about how it changed you, what you learned about yourself in those two years. You know, the first year I I honestly felt like I got into the working world. I wasn't making like a salary. It was still a lot of clinical research gigs, especially at the universities or you kind of know what you're getting into, but it's more for you to have the resume building and have the opportunity to get some publications and get some mentors. And so I think that was really good for establishing for me getting into research, which I personally don't love, but I found a mentor. I still work with him and he's just been wonderful throughout the last seven years. And I think for that, like the mentorship that came out of that, the becoming comfortable with research and getting my feet wet because I hadn't done a ton of research in undergrad, which is definitely something that you need when you're applying to med school. That's one of the boxes that they want to see you check, right? So I think that first year was ticked the research box for me. It got me established with connections and was definitely easier going time. And then of course, it was nice because it gave me the flexibility to also study for the MCAT again and reapply to med school. Then jumped to when I left North Carolina 
and went to this new city that I had never been to before in Philadelphia and get to learn about this population there and the people of the city and really kind of be like boots on the ground working in the community. I just found that my cup was much more filled in that setting being just working with AmeriCorps. I also encourage this service mentality, right? The whole thing is service, but I wanted to, even outside of my day-to-day nine-to-five quote-unquote job, I wanted to embrace the art service and look for other opportunities to give back to the people of Philadelphia. And so I got involved with Paul's on the Run Philadelphia, which was so, so rewarding and so incredible. And so I did that in the fall and in the spring, and I coached middle school girls I felt like I was becoming more integrated into the community that I was serving because a lot of the girls, they went to a school that the parents of those kids went to the health center that I worked at. And so just kind of getting more integrated in the community, I felt was really important to me and also was really rewarding because I was able to establish those connections and those relationships. And I think when I started med school, I didn't actually know that I wanted to do family medicine. But now looking back, it makes sense because I really love that connection and that continuity with people. And I think being a family physician is so beautiful because you get to treat whole families and you get to know the kind of social context that they're coming in to the doctor with. And so, yeah, I think just being up in Philly, forcing myself to be in a new city, new surroundings, adjust to that while also learning a lot about you know, social determinants of health and the public health side of things and really what poverty looks like and the effects and the impact that poverty has on healthcare. And I think that that gave me a really good perspective coming back into medical school. Then every patient that I see, like I'm thinking about the social circumstances that may have led them into the hospital and impacted their health. Yeah, that's really, it sounds like it's so impactful because you have real life stories, actual human beings who are in poverty. And that is a whole aspect of their treatment. It's not just I'm coming in with a symptom. So I definitely would want my doctor to have such a broad life experience. And as students now are getting maybe some of those rejections and feeling pretty defeated, thinking that they're comparing themselves to all their friends that got in the first time, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so hard not to compare. And it's so natural. I think a lot of people going into medical school who are pre-med, they I mean, we all have a little bit of type A in us and it's hard not to feel, you know, we hold ourselves to a really high standard, right? And that's what you, we've done to get to that point in life where we are able to apply to medical school. This is what I'll say is that it's so hard to get in. It is so common to not get in and that even though it's, yes, a roadblock and as hard as it is to kind of accept this, I would say, try to think of these types of things as more like opportunities. Because if I had gotten in that first year that I applied, I wouldn't have gone up to Philly. I wouldn't have met two of my best friends in the whole world. I wouldn't have realized my love for working with underserved populations and really wanting to focus on that in my career. And I don't even know if I would have felt as cold towards family medicine. Not to mention that then now, as I'm thinking about it, I think about this a lot. Like I wouldn't be in the same med school class. I wouldn't have my best friends today that I have 
you know, from medical school. And so really, like, as cliche as it is, everything does happen for a reason. And really looking at it more as like an opportunity, okay, what can I do next year to really better myself as a person? And I guess too, as an applicant, but I will say most of the things that you do for your next year, if you didn't get in this year, those don't really end up as much on your application. But it's something that you can talk about in interviews. And I think experiences that really fulfill you are going to be really impactful when you're talking about them in interviews. And then also they stay with you. And so I think obviously grieve the rejection and feel those feelings because they're totally valid and real, but also recognize that this is not the end and that, you know, I had to apply twice to get in. I know people that applied three times. And so if this is something that you really want, for your life and for your career, then just know that you can make it happen. It just might take a little bit longer than you thought. Absolutely. That's so helpful to hear you describe that. And, you know, for students to realize that it's not over when you get one rejection. And then even during your, you said you're in your last three weeks here until you graduate. It's crazy to think about that. But what were some of the biggest obstacles that hit? Clearly a pandemic was in the middle of your medical school training. Tell yeah. um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, I mean, my class, especially because at UNC and a lot of med, med schools have kind of pivoted from the traditional two years preclinical curriculum and then two years clinical rotations. And so my, at UNC, we actually finish our preclinical in December of your second year. So it's like really just a year and a half. And then you study for your boards or step one, and then you start on clinical rotations in early March, okay? So we started early March 2020. Literally, we were only in the hospital for two weeks, and then the pandemic. And so we get pulled from rotations for three months, and obviously, it was unprecedented times. All of our faculty is trying to scramble to figure out what is the safest way for these students to be reintroduced into the hospitals, especially when we are overflowing with COVID patients and the hospitals are at capacity. So they ended up making a couple of electives, COVID electives during that three month time when we were pulled from rotations. They were virtual. The first month was honestly, it felt like almost therapists. We would meet in small groups on Zoom and just kind of talk about our feelings about everything going on in the world and the pandemic. And we would also talk about current events related to public health and have some good speakers. And then the next month, we had another COVID elective, and I did a community health elective. And this was actually really interesting. In different parts of rural North Carolina, and specifically where I was in Siler City, there's a lot of chicken processing plants, and there were horrible outbreaks of COVID there. Really, really horrible. And so I kind of helped with the efforts out in Siler City with testing events and helped in the community health side of things out in rural North Carolina before going back to rotations. And then it's like you come back to rotations and it's so different, right? Everyone's masked. You have, we now had a curriculum of what was supposed to be a year squeezed into nine months because they wanted us to still have the same amount of time for our fourth year. Very complicated. But basically, we had to learn everything in nine months that we were supposed to learn in 12 months. You're going to rotations for 12 to 14 hours a day, and then you come home and you're supposed to study for tests. And now instead of having eight weeks for a rotation to study for a test, you have six weeks. Or like instead of six weeks, you have four weeks. And so it was a lot of adjusting. And 
really like learning to be okay with not knowing everything. And third year is definitely the hardest year of medical school. But then add on a pandemic and it was just definitely really stressful and really hard on mental health. And But, you know, you come out the other side and just like everything, you just kind of push through. And now the light has been shining at the end of the tunnel. Um, fourth year is really, really nice. Wow, that's, that's a lot. And I know a lot of people can report things that were struggles for them the last two years. And you mentioned mental health. What kind of strategies do you recommend to someone who is going through that academic rigor, the long days? How did you do it for yourself? Yeah. So I will just candidly say, and I didn't say this back in when I was re-studying for the MCAT, I actually was having so much anxiety about this whole process in applying to medical school and feeling not enough and really just so nervous. And so I went and talked to my doctor and I ended up getting started on an SSRI, which is a class of medication that helps with anxiety and depression. And I was really being treated for anxiety and I am still on that today. And it really just I think very much recommended for people that struggle with anxiety because it just makes things feel a little bit more manageable. It doesn't totally eliminate anxiety, but if you feel like you're drowning, it brings the water level down to manageable level, if that makes sense, where you can breathe. And so that has been a big help for me. And then, you know, especially because in med school, you take a lot of big tests also. And so I would feel those surges of anxiety and I changed my dosing a little bit. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing is when the pandemic hit, I often really felt like I didn't have time for therapy. But then when the pandemic hit the school of medicine, we were really lucky. They ended up bringing on two, two therapists that were specifically for the med students and that had hours where they would meet in the evenings or on the weekends, really flexible time. And it was all on Zoom. And so I ended up doing that for seven or eight weeks. And I felt like that was so helpful because just having someone to talk to and really research says that the best treatment for anxiety or depression is a combination of medication and therapy. And so really, I mean, and obviously access is a big thing for that therapy can be really expensive. And I was fortunate enough that going to med school, it was covered in our costs. But what I will also say, something that's a lot less expensive than therapy is this app called Headspace. And when I was studying for boards, I got a subscription to that. It has a lot of meditation, short meditations and longer meditations. And when I would get up and study in the morning, the first thing I would do is I would listen to a five or 10 minute meditation just to calm your breathing. A lot of the People speaking in it are British and they have very calming voices. And and then similarly at night, they have these nightcasts that help ease your mind before sleep. And so I would highly recommend that when you're studying for tests. It's so calming and just helps you get into a good headspace. And then it sounds like I'm listing on and on, but I'm just thinking two other really great things I would say is exercise is super great when you're studying for tests. Your brain needs it. They need a break from the mental energy and they need, and it needs physical activity. And so even if you're just going for a walk for 30 minutes, that is super powerful for your brain. And then the last thing is there is this really cool app called Three Good Things. And there was a study done with resident physicians who have crazy hours. And basically they use this app every day 
and it takes virtually no time and it's basically like a diary entry but it's you write down three good things that happened today and it forces you at the end of the day to think about just three things that made you happy and it can be as little as like I really loved the dinner that I made tonight or like my cat did something really cute and writing down those three things every day forces you to have a little happiness and a burst of serotonin and dopamine, which are happy neurotransmitters. And it showed in that study that residents were happier after, I think, six weeks of using the app. So those Amazing. are kind of my, my tricks. And, and yeah, I like those tricks a lot, Aaliyah, from the standpoint of I've seen research like that, too, where it's like you're tricking your brain into reliving something and you get the same results from it. Yeah. All right. Our last question is the time machine. 20 years from now, what does Aaliyah Capone of today need to hear? Man, I really think that I would tell myself that you have a lot of awesome things ahead. You worked really, really hard to get to this point. You're going to work really hard for the next couple of years in residency. It's going to be grueling. There are going to be days that you want to quit, probably. But you have gone through so much so far. And really, once you get through all of your training, you're going to be able to shape your career the way that you want it to. The way that you want to kind of fill your time in a way that makes you really happy and fulfilled. And and that's the beauty of family medicine, which I'm so... If I'm telling my younger self, I'll say I'm so glad that you picked it because you really can shape your career the way you want and impact the most people in the best way. Thank you, Aaliyah. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. I hope this was helpful for anyone listening.